Hello and welcome to Who Are You, a Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who have gotten to know each other while re-watching one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafer. And I'm Laura. And we didn't watch an episode of Babylon 5 this week. Well, I mean, we did, but that's not <laughs> what we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah. This is not an episode of Babylon 5 day. No, it's book club. Yeah, Psychor book club, to be specific. We're working our way through the Psychor trilogy. We read book two in the Psychor trilogy, Deadly Relations. Mm -hmm. You have a giant hardcover, right? That's like I all do. of them in one book. I do. I have a giant hardcover of the trilogy, but I think we have the same picture of Bester on our covers there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have that Bester face on my cover as well. And that very um, poorly drawn Lita. Yeah. And poorly yeah. drawn Lita, and then I have like an extra guy to the side that you don't have. That's he, like, from on the, back? the first book. Oh, it's from the first book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe that's supposed to have been Stephen Walters, you think? Probably. Yeah. He's got a cool explosion in the background. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh the leader of the resistance. Yeah. And Bester's dad? No, no. he's like Bester's like godfather. That's right. Yeah. But Bester's original name was named after this guy. That's what it but is. But there was a whole thing where he was like in love with Bester's mother, but she didn't love him back. She loved this other guy, and then they had a kid, and they named it. Was, it was a wild trip, guys. You should go back and read it if you haven't. <laughs> yeah, I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to go back and read it sometime while we were recording season three, and then this book club became pending by the time that it was prescient. And it's just like, oh, well, now I've got to read the book I'm supposed to read. I can't go back. I don't have time to go back. Well, you um, know, it might be more interesting in a way now that you've read this book, because you'll put some of those characters back together and be like, oh, OK, because we had some repeats. We had a few characters from the first book in this book. Yes. Plus the character we know and love, obviously, of Bester. So the Internet has no shortage of information about Psychor book one on uh -huh. Dark Genesis. Right. They're, the wikis are filled with these characters and information about them. However, there's almost nothing about this book or the next book on the wikis. Which is odd. Yeah. Okay. So I was able to like go and it's like, oh, this character that's like the way that they're talking about this character, I'm supposed to know who this character is. I'll just Google it. Mm -hmm. So I was able to stay abreast of what was going on. I'd say. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel lost at any point. Yeah. But yeah, this book. This book. Hey, we we should... have thoughts, right? We have thoughts. We for sure have <laughs> thoughts. Because I totally read the book this time, guys. I promise. You'll know I'm telling the truth because you'll go to the Babylon 5 wiki that I use for almost all of my research and see that it is blank or has wrong information. And I know yeah. that it's got wrong information, which I'd only know if I read the book. So. Yep true did it this time so like <laughs> overview of this book like we were divided in four parts i think we had four parts in the last book as well right I it was three or know. four <laughs> okay <laughs> you can't tell me i'm wrong <laughs> it was three or four parts in the last book and this one we definitely have four yes and it's kind of broken up in like bester's stages of life right we start yeah. off with part one is baby bester thesis yeah and he's like six which 
At least he starts six. I don't know if he's six the whole time. I, I don't remember that. He's like well. six through like 10 or 12, yeah. I think, by the end of it. Uh, Elementary book, school. Yeah, yeah, it's a little loose with the time. And yeah. it doesn't do a great job of telling you when it is. That was the one thing I really liked about the, the beginning of the other book is it was very mm-hmm. like, it is January 2160. Like, this yeah. is the date. And yeah, I'm there's like, no oh, dates. Cool. We don't get dates this time. We get a reference. So part two is like teens, 20s, bester. Mm-hmm. Part three is like 30s, bester, 30s, 40s, bester. Yeah. And part four is like 60s bester. And there's references in part four to the Minbari War. So we kind of yes. have like a sense of time from there. Part four, I would say, takes place during probably episodes like one through three of the first season of Babylon 5. Yeah, there's definitely reference at the end to also he's about to leave for Babylon 5. So For the first time, yeah. Yeah. And Mind yeah. War was like episode six or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, something yeah, in there. Definitely part four. If if some of it is before Babylon 5, it's not far before. Yeah. We're, we're very close. And this book, I don't know. I should just check the front cover, actually, when it came <laughs> out. Because it has to be after. Okay, so this is a first printing that you sent me, looks like. Oh, okay. A first edition, March 1999. Okay. So this is after season five had aired, which checks because in the inside cover, when the list of other Babylon 5 books, they have all five season guides, which they put out during the release of season five on TNT. Mm-hmm. Okay. They put out all those books. So that would make sense because we have a surprise visit in the fourth chapter from someone yeah. I was not expecting to be in this book. I wasn't either because, well... As we talked about, I haven't, I wasn't like cognizant of all of maybe the last season of Babylon 5. Like, I don't remember all of it. And this person is heavily in that season, I believe. So, yeah. Well, we should probably go through the four parts and talk about them individually. Mm -hmm. That makes the most sense. We didn't, we should probably discuss the structure of our podcast before we start recording it. Yeah. (laughs) We're professionals. Uh, next time. <laughs> <laughs> Part one, Thesis. Yeah, so we start off, it's all POV, and it's all Bester's POV in yeah. this book. Hulk. So we get to really understand Bester, which I think is an always an interesting point of view, because he is so... Maladjusted. Yeah, and he's so, like, detestable in the show. Like, yeah. you just love to hate him, and... Now we find out why he is the way he is, right? Yeah. Did you find overall, I know we said we just focus on one, but I'm going to ask you a question about the character over the course of the whole book right now, just to like set the pace for it. Mm-hmm. Did you find this made Bester a more likable character for you? I think it did. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little more sympathetic, at least. I don't know if likable is the word. But you really get, with some of the events that he goes through, like, why he is the way he is. I have the exact opposite opinion. Really? Okay. I think I think he handled all of the bad shit that happens to him really poorly. Yeah, yeah. And he just seems like a man-child to me now. Okay. Just right. like, 
men would literally rather overthrow an intergalactic organization <laughs> than go to therapy. Like, that's well, best. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, where he becomes a little more sympathetic is when he starts to see involvement of the shadows, but that's, you know, not in part one. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. He is the kind of stereotypical, like, unpopular kid, we find mm-hmm. out. The whole book starts off with he's being kind of bullied in his group. We find out about Cadre Prime. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Cadre? Yeah, Cadre Prime. Okay. And this is like a group of kids that are all about the same age that are mm-hmm. all born telepaths. Right. So most people become telepaths in adolescence around puberty mm-hmm. some people are just born with it though like you're born and you're telepath congratulations like from the instant you're born which must be fucking terrifying for mom yeah uh, <laughs> especially if she's not a telepath right oh like, man if she's a telepath she kind of knows what's up she can like deal with it but boy <laughs> yeah Everybody calls him Alfie mm-hmm. instead of Alfred or Al, and he really hates it. There's the popular kid named Brett, which is a very popular kid name, I think. Like yeah. These days you would call him Chad, right? Yeah. <laughs> so in Cadre Prime, they're all in, you know, little psych or school. Mm-hmm. They have these punishment drone type things they call the Grin. Yeah, well, we find out the Grins are all just the teachers. Yeah, they don't know what they are at first. They wear um, masks and stuff and are kind of like dehumanized yeah. torture device. Like, it's weird. They're just like... It's very weird. They're called the Grins because they wear these masks that are just like giant smiling faces. I got very like Miyazaki spirited mm-hmm. away kind of i think it's spirited away is no face right am i thinking yeah. the right thing i think you are yeah yeah no face vibes is like how i kind of imagined it but with mm-hmm. a little bit more of a grin mm-hmm. so just like these weird masks that are just these big old unhinged smiles and they are like the punishment people yeah this but is it's perfectly like healthy for six-year-old detentions yeah. yeah it's fucking weird i mean we wonder why no one is well adjusted in Psychor. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's shit like this. Yeah, Someone thought this early. was a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They all have the same birthday. They all celebrate birthday. And it's like, I don't I don't remember if it's it's also the core's birthday, but it's definitely Cadre Prime's birthday. I believe it is also the core's birthday. Okay. Yeah. I, but, that's yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Their birthday is the core's birthday. Yeah, because they the core's mother and the core's father, and we are all brother and sisters, and like, yeah. so we just all have the same birthday. It's kind of like same a, yeah. kind of like Christmas, kind of a culty feeling, kind of weird. I mean, especially from a Western viewpoint where we have very individualized birthdays, that's a thing. There are cultures uh-huh. in the world where everyone has the same birthday, regardless. Oh, it's okay. just like, oh, everyone, you know, that's a thing that happens in other cultures, uh, mm. just not hours yeah but it does feel weird like i think they make a point of making it try and feel weird yeah for sure uh, that the, that's the vibe in the book 
you know, everyone gets a present and then they get to watch their John Tracker side cop. <laughs> I want that show. I want the fake sidecore propaganda show of the side cop running around. Like that if, could be fun. If Babylon five were doing what Star Trek is doing right now, where we're getting all these random ass shows. Yeah. Or like Star Wars is getting all these random ass shows right now. That's the one. That's that's the one you put on TV right now. Mm-hmm. That's your prestige ten episode. Yeah, I'd watch the shit out of John Tracker Psychop. <laughs> Even if it's got the subliminal messages, it's fine. I was gonna say it's got to have the subliminal messages. Got to have the weird commercials for Psychor, like occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Please give it to me. <laughs> so at some point during this, Alfie is called to meet his grandpa Vasset, which he does not know. We know from the end of the last book that Vasset is his grandpa. And they have, you know, a little little chat, the best you can have when it's the director of the Psychor towards his secret six-year-old grandson. <laughs> and Alfred confesses that he wants to be a Psychop when he grows up. And Vasset tells him that basically, like, you can choose happiness or you can be a Psychop. You can't have both things. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Bester is not a man or a child interested in happiness, really. He's interested in, like, making the core proud and all the, the propaganda things that he's had fed into his little brain. Yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be weird. It's supposed to mm-hmm. be off-putting. I was glad when this part of the book was over. The, the elementary school part? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's awkward. It gets weird, especially the end. Uh huh. Yeah. So gr- Grandpa like gives him a warning about the shadows. Like he gives him mm-hmm. a a little image or something. Yeah. But he doesn't know it's coming from Vasset because he thinks that the director of Psychor is a mundane, like everybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. He is supposed to be. Dun dun um, dun. Yeah. And uh, you know, one of the grossest things i think about the elementary school part is like the way that they pit the students against each other for things it's mm-hmm. just so psychological and school yeah. schools are already tough and psychological like they're very um very manipulative of these students yeah it's no wonder uh in in part two bester reads some ayn rand and it's just like, of course. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. Of course he does. Yeah. And this all feeds into that, too. This all feels very Randian, just like Darwinian. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very base level understanding of Darwin. Mm-hmm. Yep. You miss the point where you evolve communities to grow together because groups of people can do things that the individual can't. Right. And you just read the, the bit on the dust jacket about survival of the fittest and it made sense to your reptile brain so you never bothered to read anything else. Yeah. That kind of understanding. Uh-huh. <sighs> One day. Yeah. Yep. So the the teachers make it a very competitive kind of like survival of the fittest sort of environment sometimes. But they do try to like sprinkle in some community lessons. But community is telepaths. Community mm-hmm. is not necessarily the mundanes. You know, they play cops and blips a lot. And it <laughs> features kind of prominently in that in a game of cops and blips, Alfie is chosen to be a blip because he's the unpopular kid always. The popular kid tries to like come to his defense or come to his aid and also be a blip. 
and he winds mm-hmm. up selling out the popular kid, which is not a, a good choice. And they, they all wind up punished for it. Mostly Alfie winds up punished for it, that he chose to sell out another telepath, which you can't do. You can't do this thing. So We're all rules. brothers and sisters. But the big reveal at the end of the section, I think that's where yeah. you say you have some beef, right? Well, it's just like, oh, all the kids get stripped naked. And then I'm just like, I remember reading it and thinking, if they did pull some it shit in this, I am not going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Because these are like 12 years. This is not okay. And that mm-hmm. it's not okay in it either, to be clear. But <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't Google it. You don't want to be on that list. If you really, really want to know, go read it, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah. This It was something that was probably okay in the 70s. I don't know. I am so far removed from a time in it where it would be okay that I don't understand how it was published. Yeah. Yeah, the, the kids get, like, stripped down and all of their humiliations are revealed to each other psychically by the grins, quote, yeah. air quotes. And then we find out that, oh, the grins are our teachers and they also all strip down yeah. and let them, the kids probe their minds and stuff. And I was like, why does everyone have to be naked for this? This is very uncomfortable and weird. Yeah. <laughs> You're all psychics. Why do you need to be like, do clothes add psychic barriers? Like what is, yeah. like, I know, t- I know physical touch helps. Mm-hmm. That's a whole thing with the gloves and the physically touching. Like that's. A thorough, that's a consistent plot point with how the telepathy works. Yeah. But you don't have to be naked to hold hands. Yeah. Why why do children have to be naked in front of adults? And why do adults have to be naked in front of children? That whole thing. I was like, nah. Are we just Puritans? Is this just America? I don't know. I don't know. No. I think think that... (laughs) The, this that was a weird choice and i think the writer's doing it on purpose to make like stress that this is weird as fuck but yeah yeah didn't love it <laughs> and that's the end of part one thesis we then move on to part two antithesis <laughs> yeah i called this part for the point of view i called it teenage dirtbag bester <laughs> right can i say that these part names make no sense i thought about googling like what are the definitions of thesis and antithesis and synthesis so i could like try to put it together a little bit but then i didn't do the googling so (laughs) they don't don't worry about it yeah don't look too hard at it and then the last one is like nothing to do with any of those ascendance because that's the name of the book or yeah it's best or ascendant is the subtitle of the book so you have to have ascendance on there but it's Uh just like it's like the bit from the killers i've got soul but i'm not a soldier these words kind oh, of have okay. a thing, but they're not. It's actually more like that one comedian who's like, I've got ham, but I'm not a hamster making fun of the killers. Yeah. I kind of disagree with them. I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I could see an argument to make those two things kind of line up. Yeah. I've got ham, but I'm not a hamster is the level of ridiculousness of these. Yeah. No, <laughs> it is just... weird. So yeah, antithesis is uh, antithesis is uh why is it pronounced like that? anyways yeah uh is bester like in middle school high school right? yeah mm-hmm. is kind of the vibe i got yeah he's definitely crushing on girls he has a big crush on a girl named julia mm-hmm. who just loves brett mm-hmm. everyone loves brett brett yeah. brett 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 <laughs> He's got that nice um, 
you know, middle school obsession with following the blips, like the list of outstanding blips. You yes. know, I mean, I think our middle school obsession was probably kind of obvious, you know, Babylon 5, Star Trek, etc. Yeah. But <laughs> he's yeah. uh For him, though. It's crime. Going to the local FBI office and checking the most wanted list every day. Yeah. Not weird at all. <laughs> I think all, all of us neurodivergents will uh, empathize <laughs> with this just a little bit, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. It's like, I'm glad he's got a thing. It's a weird thing, but like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's less weird than a thing that one of my friend's kids has. Okay. Uh, one of my friends has a five or six year old who's obsessed with shipwrecks. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Like watches shipwreck videos on YouTube all the time. Will only like take baths to play with ships to sink them. Like uh-huh. is just obsessed with shipwrecks. His That's favorite movie is Titanic for the wrong reasons. Like That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if he's actually seen the whole movie or if he's just watched the shipwreck watched bits the shipwreck, on YouTube, yeah. I'm sure. I don't know that he's got the attention span, and I don't know that his parents would let him watch that movie. Given yeah. that there's a little, little race, there's, yeah, there's some nudity there's in there. Going on, yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen Titanic since it came out. Don't at me. But <laughs> 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 it's a weird thing to be obsessed about as a kid. Is the FBI most wanted list? But that's what this kid does. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, him and his his friends, Cadre Prime, have a little reunion. They go hiking, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, we should probably invite." Al with us. Yeah, uh, I guess. Because, yeah, you know, even though he hasn't spoken to any of us in years. Because we tormented him relentlessly as children. Eh, yeah, whatever. But, eh, whatever. <laughs> so he goes hiking with them. I got to imagine they're like 16, 17, right? Surely. Because the I got. They're yeah. like by themselves. And, you know, okay, Switzerland's probably nice and uh, safe. Yeah. And all of Earth yeah. is safe at this point, I'm sure, you know. Yeah, uh, as safe as it's gonna be for a while probably yeah 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 so they go hiking in in the alps right yeah yeah they get like a, a couple days pass and go out mm-hmm. and now shows up in his uniform <laughs> yes <laughs> bring any like normal clothes and he's all like why would i bring normal clothes these are the only clothes i have <laughs> yeah which of course you know sticks out like a sore thumb mm-hmm. when you're among the normies and it gets them into a fight with some toughs. So, yeah, they get beaten up a bit, but Brett saves the day being the gallant hero that he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody loves Brett. And mm-hmm. they, Bester's just like refuses to talk to them for like two days of hiking. Mm-hmm. They get to the end of the trip and he sees someone on the most wanted list. Yeah. So he buys a ticket to Paris. Yeah. And leaves him the cadre and just goes after this blip Mm -hmm. on his own as a 16 year old kid hunts this person down yep gets shot by one of their compatriots yep puts out a telepathic signal for help of which a retired psychop answers Uh uh-huh saves bester arrests the one dude has to kill the other and basically brings them in bester wakes up from his like mind wake coma thing yeah and finds out that one of the psychops like who came to try and apprehend these people got killed 
and that he mm. didn't and that he is now in trouble for being a blip himself. Yeah. Because he, he ran off to Paris away. without getting authorization. Yeah. Yeah. He's made some typical teenager didn't think it through mistakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he he wound up getting somebody killed. That's not good. And not not the bad guy, one of the good guys. He got killed yep. in addition to some bad guys. See what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. So, this is Bester's first interaction with the new director who is overseeing his trial personally. Yeah. That's normal. Uh-huh. And the retired psychop, we get a name for him, uh hmm. Sandoval Bay. He wasn't in the first book. He's not one of our repeats. No, but he does know Vassett. Uh They were friends. He used to be in his like executive office and stuff. Yeah. And so uh, he kind of leverages his position to instruct at the school and take Bester under his wing and kind of just be like, look, I'm just going to take care of this kid. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and he is not going to go easy on him either. He puts him through some extreme punishment of making him act as a statue on the campus, especially Mm -hmm. in front of the younger, more immature children who are allowed to do whatever they want to the statue, basically. He can't move. He can't use any of his side powers. Mm -hmm. They get to dress him up. They get to put lipstick on him. They get to you know watch pigeons poop on him like i think i think that's something they do is they like feed a bunch of pigeons around him so they'll all sit on him and poop on him yeah (laughs) kids can be cruel especially when they're told like it's good to be cruel to this person they just Mm -hmm. they go to town yeah and he also you know he's he's doing this extraordinary punishment of being a statue he's solitary confinement i think whenever he's not a statue and then he also makes him watch old Japanese movies. <laughs> the... Yeah, Rashomon. Yeah. And I've a never classic. seen this movie. Okay. Have um, you? I watched this when I was in film school. Oh, well, that briefly. makes sense. Yeah. I did a... Actually, I talked about this on the Discord very briefly today, too. When I was in college, I did a year, year and a half as a cinema arts major. Yeah. Yeah. This so. sounds like a very like film school kind of movie that you would study in yeah. that environment. Yeah. Not not one I'm familiar with, but maybe I'll have to go watch it because, you know, there, it's referenced a couple times in this book in just vague enough ways. It's like, oh, OK, maybe I want to know what that's about. Yeah. So they reference the, the like the storytelling conceit of Rashomon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, This is a Kurosawa film. This is like an all time classic, right? Uh And it's basically we get the same story told from four different perspectives. And each of them is different. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of just like the truth is somewhere in the middle. You know, it's never really the what you expect it to be. A three-edged sword even. Yeah. So the name of this movie, it's uh, Rashomon is Japanese for dispute. Mm, Okay. And it's just kind of because of this movie and the book that it was based on Mm -hmm. i think it's just kind of been shorthand in cinema for stories with this structure Mm -hmm. so there there have been episodes of tv that follow the the rashomon structure yeah it's such a convention that i feel like i am familiar with it even though i'm not familiar with this movie 
Uh, Pulp Fiction has a little bit like it. Okay. Narc. The Jet Li film Hero. JFK is a Rashomon-style story with everyone giving their thing. The Last Jedi does it. Yeah, totally does with the the telling of uh, Kylo Ren's Fall to Darkness. You get Luke's version and and Kylo's version. Yeah, sure. 30 Rock had an episode that was like this. Yeah. Hitchcock used it a couple times. All kinds of stuff. They need a Lower Decks episode where we do the Rashomon. (laughs) Star Trek. Star Trek's done this. There's an episode of Voyager. That's like this. Is it the um, one where the doctor is like recounting to as in the future they're they're saying what Voyager's story was and he's like, no, you're wrong. Yes, that is kind of it, but we only yeah. get like the two perspectives. Uh-huh. There's a next gen episode which has a holodeck aided version of this trope. They use the holodeck to get people, they like uh, a reporter, an investigator comes and gets everyone's stories and takes everyone's different versions of the stories and feeds them into the computer. And the computer spits out a version that it considers to be the truth. Interesting. And so they go through the different perspectives and then the like final one. And so, yeah, he has to watch Rashomon bringing us back. Uh-huh. <laughs> And it's used as a lesson to be like, this is what it's like when you scan people's minds at a crime scene. Like, everyone's going to remember things differently. The truth yeah. will be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And he's, he's getting more thoughtful at the end of the, his punishment time. And mm-hmm. near the end of this time, a mysterious girl shows up. And instead of, like, tormenting the statue, she kisses him. And mm-hmm. he's super into it. <laughs> Yeah, he really likes being forced to not be able to move a bone in his body while someone kisses him. <laughs> that explains all the black leather suits he wears. Mm. This better not awaken anything in me. Yeah, yep. It awakens something inside, I guess. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So we find out Dr. Bay is also a like classical music fan. Mm-hmm. And he listens to Stravinsky, The Ride of Spring, when he's upset about stuff, apparently. I guess that's good, I'm upset about stuff music. There are weirder choices. Yeah. No, it's it's nice and thematic. It works. Yeah. But he he rewards Buster for all of his hard work and being punished and learning stuff with mm. getting to go on a hunt. Yeah. One of his classmates? Yeah. A former classmate has gone blip. She's gone rogue. Yeah. And so they go and they find her and she has been sold into human trafficking effectively. Yeah, yeah she gets um, raped and murdered, basically. Yeah, it is. Tortured. Yeah, it's real dark shit. Yeah. And, you know, as they are trying to get justice, or at least, you know, get this incident wrapped up, mm-hmm. Bester kind of gets a feeling that Bay is resentful of the core. Like, little or bit, something. Yeah. He's not covering up his feelings very well. Yeah. I mean, this tracks with what we know of Vassett, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I feel like Bay is very much a Vassett-style mm-hmm. psychor guy where it's like the core needs to do these things for this future. Mm-hmm. And every every telepath we push away 
is a problem. And Vasset also, you know, wanted the resistance to exist because mm-hmm. it would, you know, force them to breed a better telepath between having these two factions, you know, was his yeah. whole his He's- whole mindset. He started that way, and then after his encounter with the Vorlons, he was like, oh, wait, no, we need to all come together, mm-hmm. and kind of changed his tune a little bit, and really tried to like bring the resistance back into the fold, but of course, the damage is done, right? You know? Yeah. You've already stoked that fire. You can't uh, can't put that Pandora back in the box or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is a pretty formative experience for a little 20s bester. And, uh, you know, we see him a little bit later. I think this is probably the 20s bester. He's become a little bit better at making friends. Like, Bay has kind of taught him, like, you need people. And you need community around you. And so he's a little bit better at making friends, at least with the younger cohort. Maybe not his Mm -hmm. own peers. I would say that they are of the same emotional development as him. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Like, he's a little bit emotionally behind, so he's found some younger friends. He probably has more in common with them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bay calls him up and basically says, you know, the new director has got it out for me, and he's got it out for you, too, so we can't can't keep, you know, being mentor and mentee. Yeah. We need to keep you safe. And then a few months later, whoops, Bay's been found aiding rogues and committed suicide with big ol' air quotes around that. Yeah. I mean, obviously this is, you know, the director and Bester has feelings about whether or not Bay would ever kill himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thinking that it was all a setup. Mm-hmm. So, again, sometime later, probably early 20s Bester, mm-hmm. we're doing field tests to see what kind of psychops we're going to be. Yeah. It's the final exam and surprise surprise the girl who kissed him is in his cohort for the final exam. Oh. Yeah. They've never talked about it. They've yeah. never spoken about what happened. And so of course the perfect time to is in the middle of a final exam while you're hiking. Yeah. Yeah, and basically they're like dropped in the middle down. of the wilderness to track somebody. Yeah. They don't even know where they're at. Like, they're not yep. even told where they're going. Uh, and we find out that this girl's name is Liz Montoya. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Montoya. And she kind of has, for me, a little bit of that, like, fiery Latina stereotype going on. Because... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely uh, a fiery type. She's she's a very passionate person. Yeah. She's, she's very cheeky with the teacher. Mm-hmm. She's she's bold, extroverted, and, you know, you get the feeling that she's, like, a sexually confident person, even though she's, like, a teenager. <laughs> well, they're tw- I, I Or maybe 20s, that, yeah. Like, I they gotta be. I think, I feel like this is college. I feel yeah. like this is Sciacor College, and mm-hmm. they are all 20 plus. Yeah. 21, 22, yeah. Like, getting ready to graduate. Uh, mm-hmm. She is a later versus a prime. He's, you know, one of the, the cadre primes, but she was later. She came in at about 12, we think. Mm-hmm. Oh, the wiki actually has dates for when this happens. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So this is 2208. Okay. She was born in 2189. So she's 19 okay. when they go on this field test. Okay. 
I buy that. That's like freshman to sophomore in college, depending on when you started. Mm-hmm. And Bester was born the same year. Okay. Okay. So they're 19. So they're 19. Okay. All right. Everything's legal, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I know what I was doing in college when I was 19. <laughs> and so <laughs> I am not going to be judging anyone for any of their choices. We're not throwing here. any stones in our glasses. Nope. Indeed. Nope, not today. Yep. Keep these windows <laughs> nice. So the solution to the field test winds up being that you're not supposed to totally track the blip all on your own. Yeah. It was a trick. <laughs> yep. So they, they get into town where they followed this blip to, and they go to the PSYCOR office to let them know, as they're supposed to when they're in the area, when they're PSYCOPs. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you passed. That was the whole test. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I guess I get it. You know, it's it's that whole community thing. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. being a lone wolf is more dangerous to yourself and others than working together. So it's that kind of Darwin lesson you were talking about that we form communities for a reason. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I buy it. But, you know, as, they, as they've been on this trip, they've been talking about their uh, feelings and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, they... They become an item, sort of, as much as you Mm -hmm. can be when you're not supposed to uh, be out and about with that. Yeah. And you do feel for him because they seem to genuinely love each other in the the chapter where it's described. And Mm -hmm. Bester does jump the gun a little bit. (laughs) Uh, They are together for a year. Uh Uh-huh. And he goes and gets the genetic profile testing done to know if they are a PSYCOR approved match. Right. For genetic compatibility, since they're both P12s. P12s gotta have babies with P12s. Right. To make more P12s because that's what we need. P12s. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of equate this to like the, the way that Liz probably feels is that how I would feel if somebody had like gone to my father to ask permission to marry me before actually <laughs> inquiring with me if I wanted to marry them, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's not how we did it. <laughs> Spoilers. Like, <laughs> and I know that for some people, that's the thing that they want, but no, that's not how I no, would have. Yeah. I'm not. I, I, if it is important for, those parties cool i'm not here to shit right. on anyone right uh if it's if it's a thing that's important to you it's important to you and that makes it important its value is exists because the parties involved feel it is important mm-hmm. and one of those parties is not the father <laughs> to be absolutely clear yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah you he, know he basically goes to look but i'm right there bef- with you before before talking to her about it and yeah not okay it was weird choice at at the least Mm -hmm. um and definitely not okay at the worst yeah Uh, but i don't think her beef is as much with the fact that he did that as the fact that they have to consider that at all like yeah because she didn't yeah she because she didn't care right and you know that she does not have control over her own like reproductive destiny in the psych horror. 
Huh. Be terrible if that was relatable. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it yeah. makes her really uncomfortable that <laughs> ultimately who she matches up with has to be signed off on by completely unrelated parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this this whole thing sets off a chain that, you know, she realizes that if she passes all of these classes, this is it. She's mm-hmm. in Psychor and she can't leave and she doesn't have control over her own destiny. And so Liz makes plans to leave and she asks Al to come with her. Mm-hmm. And he does not. Yep. And he turns her in. Mm-hmm. He can't even just let her go. Like, he's he's convinced that the re-education camps are the right thing for her and she will be okay. And mm-hmm. he's, very bought, he's very bought into the propaganda. He's very bought into the core. It's all he has. It's all he's ever had. And that's the last we hear of Liz. Yep. She's taken away. By the yep. psychops, so and he's got like finals next week, so he doesn't even get to deal with it emotionally. Not that he would have if he had the time. That's true. That's true. Ugh. So we move on into synthesis. 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 <laughs> <laughs> synthesis and thirties bester. Thirties. I feel like I remember none of this section of the book. Really? Like I have, okay. I have three the three things that happen in this section mm-hmm. in my mind, and I can do them each in a sentence, and that's the whole section to me. <laughs> it does go very fast. Does it? Okay, that makes me feel better because I read this yesterday. Uh huh. And some of these chapters are very short. That's what makes this book such a good read, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is is forty pages, so it is a pretty quick quick section. Yep. Uh, Bester joins the Psychor. He gets his arranged marriage. Yeah. He has has a kid. They have a son mm-hmm. who we never talk about, but we yeah. know exists. Yeah. We don't even get his name. Right. Also, uh, in one of the episodes of Babylon 5, he mentions having a daughter, like a, a child, like a young daughter. <laughs> So I was like, yeah. uh, okay. That's in the next book, I think. Oh, you think that's going to come up there? Okay, because... I think it comes up there. Yeah. It, it did not come up in this book at all. But yeah, he's blossomed into full psychop. So it starts out with him, like, hunting mm-hmm. a random blip. But really, he should have seen that Stephen Walters, the head of the Resistance, was also involved. And he was this close. To catching the head of the resistance and donked up. Yep. Okay, I just checked on the wiki, and Uh this child is born the same year Babylon 4 disappears, the daughter. Okay. So it happens during the next chapter and is uncommented on. Yeah. So the the daughter's not even mentioned, because he mentions the son again in part four. Okay, cool. Now I know how we feel about daughters. I mean, he doesn't say his son's name at any point. It's well, that's true. It's how he feels about kids, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, but he he's a shitty dad. So yeah, at the very least, he's absentee. Maybe that's better. Maybe he's a better father yeah. by being absentee. If Could we're being be. perfectly honest, who knows? He might not be involved in raising these kids though, because if they're born telepathic, then they just go to Teep Town. 
Oh, that's true. They just go and to they Padre Prime. Part of a cadre. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. He might not. He might not know his kids. Uh-huh. Like legitimately, he might just have never have met his kids. Yeah. That could be a real life. I feel like I. Now I feel bad. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I hadn't, I hadn't mashed that all in my head together. I was just, oh, of course he's a shitty absentee father. He's shitty absentee everything. No, yeah. no, they might not actually have a choice about this one thing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Reproductive destiny and rights. Kind of weird. Anyways. He runs off to Mars, captures our hero of the last book, mm-hmm. Stephen Walters, his namesake, and like enters his mind as he dies. Yeah. And finds out the truth. Yep. He knows what's going on now. He knows yeah. who his parents are. Doesn't want to accept it. Not into it. Yeah. I feel like if he had also gotten who his grandparent was. He'd be a lot more okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That that part is not revealed at all because they, they didn't even know, I think, right? I don't I didn't read that book. I don't know. Yeah, what? no, I think <laughs> whichever one was his child, I don't think ever knew. So Yeah, okay. Yeah. Poor poor messed up Bester. That's all very strange. I do like when we go to Mars that we get like some more detail about Mars and like terraforming it and what yeah. the colonies are like and such. Cause that n- doesn't quite really get fleshed out in the show. You know, we just get some CGI red planet scenes every now and again, mm-hmm. and we don't really know like what the deal is, but we kind of find out like Mars is kind of a frontiery place. And yeah, there's, kind of wild westy yeah yeah there's lots of crime because you can just like set a ship down anywhere and then walk into town in a spacesuit and like you know just smuggle things and telepaths can come get work that's not you know psychor because we have all these other businessy businessy air quotes (laughs) needs Mm -hmm. yeah so it becomes more of a real place for me than it ever like felt in the show Yep, for sure. I dug that. Somewhere in between parts three and four, Bester ends up relocating to Mars. Yeah. Because because... of all this and because of the events that happen. It gets him away from the director. It lets him kind of build a base of power. It's definitely a power play thing. Gets him away from the loveless marriage where she's having an affair. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when, when they're your whole, like destiny is taken out of your hands like i don't know yeah gotta get some thrills where you can i guess yeah you know like bones in star trek 2009 the wife got the whole planet in the divorce yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so basically he just has to run off to mars because yeah it's easier than going to therapy men will literally run off to mars and build a new base of power than go to therapy yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) it's funny every time Yeah. It's accurate every time. I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in this, we do get a little bit of world building Mm -hmm. about the beta, why all these colonies have beta in their name. Yeah. I thought that was fun. And I fucking love it. 
I love this stupid little paragraph. This uh-huh. stupid little paragraph is the best paragraph in the whole fucking book. It was also a good it, joke. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, well, you know, like different historical cultures come into waves at different times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when this was happening, there was just Greek was popular, you know, mm-hmm. ancient Greece. And then they talk about how a lot of these names came from the Centauri and how the Centauri purposefully named stuff like ancient Greece. Like they got a history book on ancient Greece and purposely named a shit ton of their stuff on the star charts they gave us that uh-huh. because they were still trying to sell the humans or the lost 13th tribe thing. Yeah. <laughs> right the, the Battlestar Galactica the 13th tribe bullshit yeah Earth, Earth is the Earth is the last tribe and so that's why they're all beta because Alpha Centauri Alpha, Prime is the alpha mm-hmm. and so anything else is going to be a beta colony and so they just named all of these planets beta this beta this beta this in Greek and sold us the star charts and then when we finally got there that was the name we already had for it yeah it's so good. That's like such the stupidest little bullshit detail that makes so much fucking sense. And it's the kind of thing that makes me love Babylon 5. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was good. There's some, there's really some good stuff in here that, especially as it starts to get a little more humorous and it starts to become a little more of the Bester humor. Mm-hmm. You, you really start to feel Bester's voice as we know it in the show, I think in part four, right? Yeah. What else happens in part three? He goes in all those dead bodies. Oh, yes, yes. He's, he's like, dead inside, right? He becomes inside, obsessed right? with, like, eight necro scans. Yeah. Most telepaths do one or two in their lifetime. Yeah. But he's he's really into these deathbed scans since he had his, like, encounter with Stephen Walters. And, mm-hmm. and his, like, hand is paralyzed from his encounter with Stephen Walters, even yeah. though there's no physiological reason for it. Mm-hmm. Like the the hand that was firing the gun at him, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's messed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we go into ascendance, mm-hmm. and we get a bit with Lita. Yeah, I didn't who know. Besides, we she's get Lita. never going to be a psychop. Yeah, it's funny that Bester was involved in that because huh? I think she mentions in the show like I like interned at. You know, yeah. being in the law enforcement and it wasn't for me. And now we find out why. Lita has not interacted with Bester in the show, has she? Not yet, at least, no. I don't think. I think she does at some point, right? But it hasn't happened yet. She's always off station mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, because he'd have to comment on that. Not just because they knew each other, but because now she's like, not working for the core. She's working for the Vorlons. Yeah. And so she's always doing other stuff. She doesn't get involved. Mm-hmm. And he's she's kind of protected by the Vorlons, too, because she's technically oh, yeah. a blip. Yeah, but they can't go after her. The, the yeah. whole Vorlon race would be upset. So. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So that stuff happens. They're trying to find a serial killer. Yeah. They find a serial killer who's... Killed some telepaths, but not all telepaths. Mm-hmm. And then we get a little like CSI episode with them. And then we flash forward a bit more and Brett comes back. Fucking Brett. Yeah. To be all like, we were supposed to be the ones in power. <laughs> and now it's all on you. 
shoots himself. Yeah. Uh, he he goes, he gives him all the tinfoil hat stuff. Like, yeah. the director's keeping us all down, all the really good telepaths. Are the mundanes axed. are like. All of Cadre Prime is dead. Not that you give a fuck. Yeah. The, the mundanes are trying to keep us down. Things are things are really bad. And oh no! What if Bester actually just sent his kids to Teep Town, and just dis- and just disowned them to keep them safe? What if he's actually like trying to be a good dad? Oh, I don't know, man. It's Ugh. getting really convoluted, and and you can see it because Bester talks about like, well, what if what if this person's in on this? And his paranoia yeah. is like really growing. Yeah. Yeah. So he could be thinking about that. Yeah. Bester grabs his assistant, Byron, uh-huh. in training Byron. Dun, dun, dun. Does that, well, okay, we can just get there when it's in season five, but I was like, wow, okay. I, you know, I don't remember anything about that character because I didn't really watch those episodes, I don't think. But I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> I, will, I will look forward to it when I get there to see if he mentions, like, having been a psychop. <laughs> yeah, or interacting with Bester, maybe. Yeah. Does Bester be all like, hey, why are you still alive if they ever meet? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Is he even in season five? Bester? He's got to be. I think he was in every season, like an episode. He's in one, two, three, four episodes of season five. Okay. And yeah. he is mentioned in one, two, three, four, five additional episodes. Yeah. Okay. So he's a thing. Yeah. So yeah, Beth, Byron is like his mentee right now, right? And uh, mm-hmm. he puts him through some tests. Basically, he's got you know he's got all of Black Omega Squadron that he built on Mars, mm-hmm. and he's still hunting down blips, still hunting down rogues. Uses kind of a uh, some rogue hunting missions to get himself positioned where he wants to be to finally confront the director, director yep. Johnston. He gets director Johnson where he wants him uh-huh. and he axes the motherfucker. Yeah. And it's been a long game because mm-hmm. we see, you know, we, we learned in maybe part three about department Sigma, which was doing yeah. weird shit on Mars and definitely encountered the, the shadow ship and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and through his relationship with Department Sigma, I believe he brainwashed and became control over two of Johnston's telepath guards. Yep. Because he sends yep. them a series of, like, he says, he calls it a series of glyphs, but I think in the episode where we had control and, and Talia yeah. and all that, it was like a code word. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly they don't belong to Johnston anymore, and they belong to Bester. Yep, he uses this advent this advantage to kill the, the director mm-hmm. and fake out a terrorist attack or something. Yeah, and then just finds out that Byron is like the one guy who doesn't know what happened because mm-hmm. he can't trust him yet. Finds out he doesn't really feel like he can trust Byron, and attempts to kill Byron. He believes Byron is dead, mm-hmm. at the very least. Yeah, and then heads off to Babylon Five, and that's the book. Yeah, he he heads off because there's a, a Jason Ironheart that he's looking for. So yep. So 
How did you feel about the book, even if you don't feel any more sympathetic to Bester? It was all right. There were a couple parts that I found really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. A lot of the like early descriptions of how telepathy works when they're kids and they're like using like they're just trying to like just get you used to how it's going to be described for the rest of the book. Uh I thought was very interesting, like to talk about like the images and the stuff, like it not just being hearing someone's thoughts in your mind. It's, you know, and then like the shaman battle thing Mm -hmm. that they do. They talk about a bunch, too, which is in a handful of the things. That's like a real world thing. You know, I think the best example on film that I can recall is in Sandman on Netflix, Mm -hmm. uh, where Morpheus does one with uh, Lucifer. That was pretty cool. So that was cool to see in another place because it's another thing that I'm familiar with. The stuff with Byron was completely out of left field for me. I don't remember him having an association with Bester at all, but I might just not be remembering that stuff from season five because we're going to be watching extra close now. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's coming up on three years since I watched season five. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't like when we started this and it was, oh, yeah, I finished season one, you know. A couple, you know, like six months ago, it's we're far out now. Mm-hmm. So I don't have as good a memory as I do of these episodes. And also, I don't think I've watched half of season five. I think I just skipped to the end because we were just starting to record. But yeah. Overall, it was OK. I mean, I read it. It yeah. wasn't a book that prov- I've, I mean, I've tried to read books that have just been so bad that they just mm-hmm. drag and I can't read them. And this was not that book. You yeah. know, I did, you know, like a 150 page session, you know, in like two hours one morning, just like going through. And I read that whole thing twice, I think, you know, it was like I was just powering through. So yeah. It yeah. kept me going. Yeah. yeah. I like I like getting some background on Bester. I like having another dimension to look at him through than just villain lens. And yeah, I agree. Like therapy man <laughs> like right. if you just go to therapy like maybe you don't don't uh that would mean make... trusting someone with my innermost thoughts well but also i i have a feeling Ugh. that like psychor doesn't want you to go to therapy right Psychor... i feel like psychor has therapists i feel yeah, like psychor has they're... mandated therapy for because that's how you that's just another way to control people. Right. They, probably they, for them. They're using their therapy in a certain way. Like they don't want you to have real therapy. They want you to have psychor therapy. Church confession in the yeah. age of indulgences. Yeah. Like so I do I do feel sorry for him. To I feel be like... clear to anyone who might have been offended by that, I'm referring to a very specific period in time and cultural propagation, not anything else. Right. Not not talking about modern confessional, which is a very different beast. Right. Just to make sure that's said out loud. Yeah. I I think that the, in that light, it's like, I don't think Bester could be any different, you know? Because mm-hmm. even if he had, had tried to, like, actually deal with shit, I don't think it would succeed, so... I don't know. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I liked have, putting some more on that character. And then I'm hoping that when we get to the third book, we're going to get some more like, you know, resolution on some things that get left open by the show. Because it seems like we're going to pick up pretty near the end of the show with Best Yeah. Year, so. Yeah, I imagine the next book. I We might actually have to call an audible on it. 
Oh, okay. If we, we, we I will check out the first chapter or two in the next couple of days. Uh-huh. We might have to push it back to our after season five book club. Okay. Yeah. Like for the content reasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which we'll figure out what we'll do otherwise if that ends up being the case. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope if you got to read the book that you also enjoyed it, listener. Yeah. And that you're ready for us to come back in a few weeks with season four, episode one. Yep. Hour of the Wolf. Sheridan is missing and presumed dead. The Centauris continue to ally with the shadows. That's our synopsis. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot. Very but succinct. we'll be talking about it in two weeks. But before those two weeks, we got to thank Jeremy Siegel for our lovely theme music. Jeremy, thank you. Really appreciate our theme music. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And also as Nuclear Jaguar on the Spotify, I listened to your March album drop. It was good. Um, I liked February better, but if you fin- if set my friend request on Facebook, we can talk about it. <laughs> Man, and as we're recording this, we're like halfway through April. So hopefully as this is airing, April is out. So... Hopefully you can have a listen to that, my friends. Yeah. Yeah. This should air at the start of May. So Mm -hmm. the April album drop should be out when this airs too. Go give it a listen. It's probably really good. Yeah. And uh, thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast Mm -hmm. artwork. Thank you, Aaron, for editing this podcast, presumably at 2 a.m. while holding a newborn. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully so. Should be any day now. And uh, thank you, listener. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate the time you choose to spend with us. There are many Babylon 5 podcasts, Mm -hmm. and there are even more just not Babylon 5 podcasts. Yeah. And the fact that you've chosen to spend an hour listening to Laura and I means the world to us, truly. Indeed. Um, Throw a review up if you feel like it. The five stars were told by every other podcast ever that it's important. And so we assume that they are correct rather than actually doing the research. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can email us, whoareup5 at gmail.com. Hop on our Discord channel where we'll be done bitching about Picard Season 3 by now because this airs in the start of May. But right now, the finale is about to drop, so we'll see how it goes. I don't know. It depends on how mad we are, man. <laughs> <laughs> Might still be going. We'll see. Depends on what this after credit scene that's rumored is. Mm-hmm. Got lots of good speculation out there, so... All right. Well, we hope you all get to enjoy the next couple of weeks without us. And we'll be back on May 24th with Season 4, Episode 1 of Babylon 5. Take care, Internet. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye.